Hey everyone, this is the Actors Diet Podcast, and today my guest is Nicole Kogan, who is the founder of No Bread, a site that I have religiously been following ever since I found out I had a gluten sensitivity. So I'm kind of obsessed with your site, Nicole. Because Thank it you. Is, I'm so like, happy it's been able to help you. It's been like my Bible because when I I just recently found out I have a gluten intolerance and I just recently tested for the celiac gene and found out I was positive. And so I was like, when I was in New York City, I was having a lot of trouble with cross-contamination. So your site was very helpful to me in that it just lists everything that's gluten-free and also whether or not a restaurant has cross-contamination, super easy. Then I come back to LA and here you are. Yeah, so I moved to LA a year and a half ago. Um, and I, for the year before I officially moved here, I was super back and forth, New York to LA. And like, I still kind of am, but at the time I was basically homeless, just going like one month, New York, one month, LA. And then after testing the waters, I realized that I'm like so in love with LA. New York will always be home. But so right now I am here, LA based, but I still travel, I travel so much and I still go back to New York a ton, which is great. So I have the best of both worlds. Are you from New York originally? Yeah, I grew up on Long Island. Ah, I'm from New Jersey. Oh, no way. Yeah. So you grew up in Long Island. Did you go to school in New York? Yeah, so I went to, um, I grew up in Manhasset on Long Island, and then I went to Cornell, which is upstate New York. Yes, it's gorgeous. Ithaca is gorgeous. Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) So you know Cornell well? I visited some friends um, back in the day. It's cold up there. Oh, man, freezing. I think that's honestly what's made me just, like, be obsessed with L.A. is that I – I mean, I love the seasons, but I was, like, a seasonally depressed person because I think, like, Cornell was another level of cold. And then I just, like, hit my breaking point. And I was like, I just can't do snow right now. I can't do winter. I'm the same way. Maybe it has something to do with gluten intolerance. <laughs> Right. I know. I So I came out to L.A. for my first time, like, for three weeks in January a few years ago, and it was 80 and sunny every day, and I was like, this is winter. Like, this is what I need. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, just made it official. So let's back up a bit to your days growing up in Long Island and when you were a kid. So do you want to talk about, like, how you found out you had a gluten intolerance or, like, what was when did that happen? Yeah, so that happened growing up. I was just always sick. Um, I'd have like strep throat every, you know, two months, the flu two to three times a year. I'd wake up and faint. I would have headaches. Uh, So I was always sick. And then I was living uh, while at Cornell in my sorority house in the basement room because, like, I thought I was so cool. And I was in the party room in the basement. With like it was called the quad. Like I could have had a single or just a double, but I chose the quad. And um, obviously, was not treating myself the best, not eating well, and living probably in a moldy basement room. So I was just super sick that year, and it all all of my health issues just like came to a head. I was in and out of the hospital while taking sixteen to eighteen credits a semester, and um, what ultimately happened was I basically. And as my the first doctor I saw, uh, and by doctor I mean like holistic medicine doctor I saw who diagnosed me with all my issues said, it's like your body has a threshold and I reached my threshold and broke through it. 
and my system had totally relapsed to just a state of complete exhaustion and dysfunction. Um, and I started getting hives. So I was dealing with chronic hives and that happened. My first hive came right after I got home from my sophomore year. And, um, I basically struggled all summer with these chronic hives until this doctor who we found. And I call him doctor because people always be like, Oh, well he's homeopathic. So therefore it's not real doctor. He's, you know, the best doctor I've ever had. Um, put me on a gluten, dairy, soy, fruit and nut free diet and sugar free diet and artificial free diet. So that summer and like, thank God it happened over the summer. So I just was a complete hermit. Didn't tell anyone at school what was going on. Didn't even think I was gonna be able to go back to school. But I took three months over the summer to just focus on my health. And that's what kicked kickstarted my journey. Okay, so then you found out um, was were you sensitive to soy or any of the other things? Or was it just the wheat? Uh, so no, I'm sensitive to so at this day right now, I am gluten dairy soy free. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I don't really eat much fruit other than berries just because I have chronic candida. And that's ultimately what led to the um, the hive outbreak. So I just watch, you know, if I'm, I love sugar and uh, I'd rather have a chocolate bar than a banana. I prioritize. Um, so I'm still relatively fruit free, but yeah, I'm still essentially, you know, the things I went free of years ago, gluten, dairy, soy being the main, um, I'm still free of and, now I live a life of my whole thing is just balanced because I'm not a robot and I like to have fun. And I like to go out and I'd rather, you know, when I'm here in my apartment and cooking for myself, I cook like a really clean, nice meal, but I want to go out and I want to be able to have like chips and guacamole with the girls and margaritas. So um, my life is all about like balance so that you can enjoy yourself and indulge if you are good all the other times or as best as you can be when you're, you know, when I'm on my own. So when you were growing up, uh, what did your family typically eat? We were just super, not to call my family super basic, but like so American diet, like spaghetti and meatballs, um, blackened chicken, uh, baked chicken, grilled chicken, turkey, you know, roast turkey, steak, burgers, I myself was, and like, so we was just like a very well-balanced American diet, I'd say, and it would always be like a side veggie and a side carb. Usually like, I was obsessed with garlic bread. Oh my God. Um, but like I myself was a pretty crappy eater. Like I, if I was ever at a restaurant, fact, chicken fingers and French fries, that's it. And I would eat like chicken fingers and French fries or pizza all the time. Um, I think my thing was that I was always a small person, so I didn't really watch what I was eating growing up, so I didn't really care about, like, nutrients and stuff, like, because I was thankful that, you know, I had this really fast metabolism, um, and then I saw, like, once I removed those foods from my diet, just, like, brain, because I was always a very smart person, so my brain fog, I'd be studying, and I'd have this, like, cloud in my head, and then my brain fog went away, so it was more, all these other little symptoms that I wasn't bothered with, um, that I guess I didn't realize I even had, 
cleared up as well when I went gluten free. Mm-hmm. And um, my thing too when I first went gluten free was, and you know, my mom is like my hero for it, was that I love chicken parm and. I gluten free wasn't cool at all when this happens. It's like 10 plus years ago. So when my family was having chicken parm and my mom was making chicken parm for the family, she would make me my own gluten free, dairy free version of it so that I didn't feel like I was missing out. And that's my whole thing is like I still eat chicken parm. It's just gluten free, dairy free, soy free. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so important because, you know, I do live a life of health and wellness, but I also like to indulge. So that's why I don't really consider myself a health and wellness blogger. I'm more, I think, a practical blogger. And I'm showing you, you know, gluten-free is just as cool. Like, you know, I don't want to be like, it's cool because it's like not. But it's it's not, um, a, there should be no stigma associated with it because I'm still eating the same stuff that I was eating back then. Yeah. Um, how sensitive are you to gluten? Because I'm finding for myself this, this is very brand new to me. So it's like, there's this fear, which I hate, of um, being able to eat out with friends for fear of cross-contamination. For myself, I don't know how sensitive you are. Yeah, so my thing is that I'll always be like, oh, so at first I would still eat french fries if they were cooked in a shared fryer. Because I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not like hypersensitive. Um, I don't feel it right away. Or, you know, maybe I feel a little bloated, whatever it's worth it. I just want those French fries because at the core, they should be gluten free. And over time, I, you know, I like wasn't feeling well and I would go get blood tests done and my gluten would be off the charts bad. And I, it, my blood would be showing them reacting to it more than ever. And I was like, well, it's impossible. I'm not having any gluten. But clearly I was. So even though – and that's the whole thing with, like, people who have celiac. It's like a lot of people don't feel the symptoms. So they continue to eat gluten thinking, like, oh, I'll deal with it later. And even if you don't feel the symptoms, if you have a condition where you cannot eat gluten, like, you literally have to avoid gluten at all costs. So I wasn't feeling the cross-contamination, but my body and my internal being was, and now I am no cross-contamination. Like, if I – accidentally have cross-contamination it's because I literally didn't know yeah I found that it got worse once I cut out the gluten did you find the same yes. thing and once you remove the like your diet's culprit um when you have it again it hurts that much more yeah to like have it again so um it's like your body is saying to you like hey we've recognized that you can't have this so now we're not going to let you have it. Oh, man. Do you want to explain what gluten is for those who don't understand what it is, who don't know? Yeah, absolutely. So gluten is a protein that is found in wheat. So it and for example, you can be celiac disease, which is a condition where consuming gluten attacks the villi in your small intestine. And so you're literally damaging the walls and the lining of your intestine, and that ultimately will give you problems like leaky gut and a whole slew of other problems. And Or you can just be gluten intolerant, which is a sensitivity response to eating gluten where that can lead to a whole other range range of issues. It could be leaky gut. It could be, you know, MS. It could be um, chronic fatigue syndrome, 
you name it, a whole range of autoimmune deficiencies because the more you eat something that makes you inflamed, your body isn't able to function properly. Um, and the people like irritable bowel or, you know, all these conditions will remove gluten and literally their problems clear up. Yeah. Did you ever get tested for it? Uh, where are you? Like there's several tests, correct? Correct. So you can get tested in the sense of knowing that you have the gene for celiac. Which I do. Or, yeah. Or you can do um, – so basically I have – all my pointers lead to the fact that I have celiac. I'm awkward, I guess, in saying I have celiac because I haven't gotten um, – what is it? endoscopy or a colonoscopy, excuse me. And the reason I haven't gotten a colonoscopy is because I'm going to live my life regardless gluten-free. Right. Because whether it's fact 100% or fact 90 or 70% to 90% that I have it. So either way, I'm still going to live a gluten-free life. And I've had just bad experiences with like anesthesia and things when I was young and in my past. So I was like, you know what? I'm still going to live my life this way. And uh, so that's why I haven't gone and gotten the colonoscopy. You also have to have been eating gluten for a while, right? In order to have some of these tests? Yeah. Um, like the blood test and the... Like that's what I, I was told. Behind that, to be honest, just mm -hmm. because... Yeah, like if you're getting – like I know I'm intolerant to cashews, right? So if I'm going to go get a food sensitivity test and I haven't had cashews in a year, I'll have some cashews before the test to put them in my system. Um, so yeah, technically if you are completely 100% gluten-free and you go get your levels checked, it might not show up because it's, you haven't been having it. But what people also don't realize is that like my biggest gluten reaction this year was to lipstick and to like – shampoos and things like that like gluten is sneaky and it's in things that you don't expect it to be in so that's why it's really hard for a, a person who really needs to be 100% gluten-free to actually be 100% gluten-free yeah let's talk about that lipstick <laughs> what lipstick do you use now uh so there's this place here in LA called the detox market that I get my lipsticks from I don't even think it's a brand um is I don't know but there's all these yeah, there's all these places now that are um, uh, like beauty counter and it's all about like all natural everything and really good for you, organic cosmetics. And um, I – it's actually like um, my goal for this year. It's because also No Bread started as just a food account and now I've tur totally turned it into like my life as No Bread. And what I really want to do this year is bring awareness to the fact that – it's not just gluten isn't just the foods we eat. It's the things that we put in our hair. It's the things that we're putting around our houses and it's just so much more. And it really is gluten free is a lifestyle. So my goal is to make no bread, this lifestyle brand. How do you do when you travel? Traveling is a, is good and bad. Um, bad in the sense of when you go to, when I went to China, I, and there's like a language barrier and things are cooked in soy. That was really, really hard. Yeah, tell me how uh, you did it because I'm going to China next year. Well, what I learned is that Hong Kong Island is basically like going to London. And 
um, that was very easy. Like gluten-free menus, it was great. When I was in Kowloon and areas outside of Hong Kong Island, that was really hard. Um, my goal, the thing is when I travel, I just love food so much. So when I travel, I just play it in a place like that. I play it really safe. Um, but then I am such a, I travel for food. So like I was dying to go to Italy and I went to Italy two years ago because I wanted some gluten-free pasta from Italy. And, uh, when I was in Greece and Croatia, like everything there is a hundred percent gluten-free naturally. It's really America is the place that like America has a problem of putting things in food that don't need to be there or putting things in our animals that don't need our animals don't need to be fed or injected with. And that's why we have so many food issues. It's like my personal beliefs. Um, places outside of the States, gluten, unless it's like a soy sauce and that's something that's cultural, it isn't just naturally in foods the way it is here. And people who are gluten-free and dairy-free or have these intolerances to gluten and dairy can go to Europe and literally eat cheese and crackers no problem. Um, so... I mean, that's a whole nother issue and thought process that I have or thoughts that I have, but it's very, very interesting. Yeah. What did you eat in China? Like, what did you order in those areas oh, where you couldn't I ordered um, shrimp everywhere I went and plain white rice. Just, and you asked for the shrimp to be like steamed with no sauce? Yeah. And just like, I would just emphasize just, like plain, like nothing on it. Just plain, plain, plain. Um... All plain, nothing added. And then I now choose the places that I'm traveling to based on, you know, like I'm dying to go to Bali in Australia because it just looks like my avocado heaven or Hawaii and have like a million pounds of pokey every day. That's my dream. So now I'm, I choose where I travel based on, you know, foods that I can eat. But I'm also like so curious too. Like I'm dying to go to Japan and I'm also I'm dying to go there because I almost want to like figure out what I can eat there. Yeah, I want you to so, go and help me figure that out. <laughs> yeah, and with travel, like I'm such a creature of habit. Like I know what foods make my body feel best, and those are usually foods that are, you know, I've purchased from Whole Foods, and they're in my nice refrigerator. And when you travel, you just don't have that luxury. So, like, I need to start every morning with a smoothie, and it's kind of hard to do that when you're traveling because hotels don't necessarily have your dream smoothie bar downstairs. Right. What's in your morning smoothie? So my smoothie every day is a cup and a half of nut milk. I do a scoop of protein. um, What kind of protein do you like to use? My favorite proteins, I love vital. um, So vital proteins has collagen and I love their collagen. They have so many different flavors. I love, and in terms of different vegan proteins, I love Aloha, I love Tone It Up, and Primal Kitchen has a collagen that I think is amazing as well. Okay, so you, Those have, are my- you have your nut milk, you have your scoop of protein. Yep, and then I'll do a scoop of fat, so either almond butter or a half avocado or coconut butter. I'm a coconut freak right now. Coconut butter what- is different from coconut oil, Correct. Yep. So I'll do either coconut oil or coconut butter. And then I'll do some spinach, some chia seeds, um, maybe like a little scoop of cacao. 
But it's cool because it sounds so basic, but you can diversify it any way that you want. It does not sound basic to me, Nicole. <laughs> it sounds okay. wonderful. It what, sounds... what is your go-to breakfast? Are you a smoothie person? I'm not because I like to chew <laughs> a lot. So I, I'm, I, like I was chunks. the same way. It was like a, a big mental hurdle for me to start having smoothies. Yeah, I'd rather have a smoothie than juice. Juice I can't do at all. Like if someone holds hands me juice, I'm like, what is the point? Yeah, no, juice doesn't exist in my world just because it's like you have the juice and then, I mean, for me, again, with me and my sugars, like I'd rather have chocolate and yeah. like I'm not full after juice. So how long does your uh, morning smoothie keep you full for, would you say? I have it at like seven and I'm full until noon. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. Like, I'm a little hungry now, but it's 11. Um, so, yeah, that's my my go-to. Your, your go-to morning smoothie. So, yeah, you were saying it's hard to be in a hotel where you don't have your your blender and various chia seeds and whatnot. But so many people now travel with, like, their matcha kit. And, like, you can do – you can bring, like, your Nutribullet now. So I need to start doing that. Like, I'm going to start traveling – I took a month or two off from traveling just because I was completely worn down and exhausted from it. But I'm going back to New York in a week or two, or in two weeks. I'm going to, oh, hi, I have some travel coming up that I want to, like, actually practice bringing my little blender or something. Mm. Um, are there any, like, bars or snacks that you always bring for, like, emergencies? Oh, I always have snacks in my bag. Always. Like, even when I'm out at night because – a lot of times you go out to dinner and dinner's at nine, but you don't actually sit until nine thirty, and then you're eating at ten thirty or think something like that, and that's just my nightmare. Um, I always have almonds or pecans in my bag, or I'll have like a kind bar there. What else do I have? A, oh, a packet of Justin's nut butter. Oh, that's a good one. Justin's nut butter, little bags of nuts. Those are like my go-to. Got it. Does nuts keep you full? Oh yeah. Have you ever struggled with, um, you said you were small when you were younger, but um, have you ever struggled with weight issues or body image issues? Oh, for sure. Um, I think especially once I started, uh, well, so when I first went all that free back in college, I lost like 10 to 15 pounds because I was so scared to eat because everything, every time I ate, I broke out in full body highs. Mm-hmm. And then I was too skinny. And then uh, that was the first time I ever got like scrutinized for it. Um, and then it almost became a mental battle to like put weight back on because it's like, wait, you want to gain weight? Like that was just like a big mental hurdle. Like no, you never are trying to gain weight. And so I had to like accept that I needed to gain weight. And then now that I do no bread, I mean, I spend three to four hours a day cooking and I have to try everything that I'm making. So now I'm extra conscious of it. And, uh, you know, I definitely fluctuate, but I always say to myself, like, and I love to go out. So I've learned that a lot of times people who are just so regimented and look amazing and are so fit, they're literally, you know, being a hermit and I want to indulge and I want to have fun. So for me, again, in my life of balance, I'm trying to learn how to, you know, yes, try the recipes I'm making in moderation and also go out and, you know, have a night where I don't eat well, but then 
stay fit and small and that's hard. So I definitely struggle with it now and it's a different kind of struggle than what I dealt with years ago. But at the end of the day, for me, it's, I always say look good, feel good. When I try, when I'm saying like, oh, I need to just like eat really clean for a few days. It's not because I'm trying to lose a few pounds. It's because then my body just feels good. And then if I feel good, I look good and it has nothing to do with a number on a scale. It's just the feeling. So that's what I try and live with now. Do you ever get like trolls or haters who are like, oh, you're doing this gluten-free thing as a fad sort of thing? Or does that ever come up because so many people do do that? At first, like when I was younger and I first went gluten-free, people were like, oh, you're trying to be skinny or what is gluten-free? But now that gluten-free is like everyone's gluten-free, you know, because you can be paleo, Whole30, keto, and those are all gluten-free diets that now no one cares. And also with me specifically, if people just know because I've been around for a while that like no, this is like my way of life. Uh, do you deal with trolls now? Like you're pretty popular. So how does that um, come up in your life yeah, these I days? Love, I love my trolls. You love all your <laughs> trolls? <laughs> love all of them. No, I think they're – I uh, one of my best friends said to me, I was having a really bad day with some trolls. And um, one of my girlfriends also experiences trolls and – you know, so I called her immediately and she literally was like, Nicole, they are called trolls because they sit in a dark basement trolling the internet, looking for ways to bring people down to the levels that they're at. I was like, it's so true. And the second she said that, then I literally just started ignoring it. Um, but yeah, like I read all my comments, I read my messages and when people like when I have F U die biatch in my inbox, like that doesn't feel good just because I posted something with you know, a bunch of sugar in it and they feel like that what or like protein and they're a vegan and, you know, I just completely, you know, was disrespectful to their community or something. And my whole thing too is people will eat gluten in front of me and, and apologize. And I'm like, oh my God, do not apologize. I would actually be annoyed if you wanted gluten and didn't eat it in front of me. Like it make me feel bad. So when other communities have their beliefs and then they shun me for mine or give me criticism for mine. Like we can all coexist everyone. So trolls ultimately are just doing it for the reaction. And that's what I just remind myself. Don't feed the trolls. I know. Do not. Oh, and the worst though is that I once had a a troll war. Like one of my posts had like 200 comments on it. It was just a war. And what happened was trolls were commenting negative stuff And then my supporters and my fans were fighting back with them. And I kept messaging the fans. I was like, I love you guys so much, but ignore them. Like, it's just going to make it worse. Yeah. Because then the trolls got angry. And that was a nightmare. (laughs) But thankfully, those happened far and few between. (laughs) Um, You said before that you cook three to four hours a day. How'd you learn to cook? Um, Honestly, just picked it up as I went. I remember the summer that I got sick. My mom was like, hey, we need to get you back to school, and you have to cook for yourself. So I'm going to teach you how to make, like, she, we had four, like, core meals, or three core meals that I was making. It would be grilled chicken in a skillet, like, uh, chicken in a skillet with, like, lemon and pesto pasta, turkey burgers with sautéed vegetables, and omelets with potatoes. And I would literally just live on those meals. And then from there, I was like, okay, I love sweets. I need to make a really good chocolate cookie because I'm dying without sugar so I'm also just very type a and I was just so 
infatuated with my new condition and I didn't want it to be boring. And that's, the, I mean, it's the whole reason why I started No Bread. And I just started experimenting and trying new foods that I would never have even known about before. And then I would like never even eat vegetables or salad until my issues started. And then I was like, oh my God, what is this delicata squash? Or Brussels sprouts aren't just smelly. They're freaking amazing if you, you know, prepare them right. And I just became infatuated with food. And at that time, I realized I want to go into something in my career in food. But I was already so far down the path of going into finance at Cornell that I already had like my summer internships lined up. And then after my summer internship, you basically get a full-time offer. And I was already aligned with JP Morgan. So I had everything going my way. I wasn't just going to like stop that all, you know. So I um, I just became so infatuated with it. And then, uh, you know, I remember I never really ate sushi before. But then sushi's you know, pretty gluten-free if you get rice that doesn't have malted vinegar in it. And I was like, this sushi is so interesting. I want to start making my own. That could be fun. And I just got very creative. And I always was more of a creative person than, a, you know, the finance textbook person. So it just let my creative side flourish. Um, and how, and this is about the time you started No Bread, correct? I started No Bread like two years into my job at JP Morgan and I left at no, it was cause I left at just after three years. So at like the two and a half year mark, I started it and I didn't tell anyone at my office about it because I didn't want them to see that these things that I was reviewing, I was, I was a restaurant review guide. So I would go with my clients and I would review what you could and couldn't could and could not have at a restaurant. Uh-huh. And, um, so I was doing all these low key restaurant reviews. I didn't tell people at my office cause I didn't want them to see that my corporate card expenses were being reviewed on my blog. Um, they knew I was like up to something. I think cause I told like a couple of my best friends about it. And so yeah, so that's how no bread started. And then it just got to the point where I was either out with clients for every night I was out. I was either out for dinner with my clients or out cause I really wanted to try a new restaurant or the chefs had like gotten wind of what I was doing and invited me in to come chat with them. Cause also, Again, gluten-free in the restaurant scene was so non-existent, and they knew I just knew everything about gluten-free. So they would contact me and say, like, hey, like, we're testing two gluten-free marinades. Like, could you come tell us which one you like more? Or we're testing two gluten-free breads. Like, what's your favorite? And that's what really showed me that I was onto something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave my job, and I'm going to really dive into this no-bread thing. And at the worst, this will just be my resume to get me a job in the food industry, whatever I decide that job is going to be. And um, yeah, and then just one thing led to another. And here I am now. And it's crazy. But I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So you have city guides all over, including worldwide in London. Um, Who does that? Is it just you? So I have a team of about uh, how many people per probably like four people per city. So we have New York, L.A., San Francisco, D.C., Chicago, Boston, and London. And those guys are just great resources for the gluten-free community and for the restaurant community. So it's their way of, like, showcasing, hey, we cater to you. Right now, I'm taking a bit of a pause on expanding in any more new cities, but that's going to be back on the horizon early 2018 just because people absolutely love them. Um, But right now, my focus is really on 
really great recipe development and collaborating with gluten-free brands or brands that have gluten-free items and getting the word out to our community, you know, what the best products out there are and what the best foods are. What do you do with all those like foods that you're making during the day, like leftovers? <laughs> oh my God. I literally just bring them to my friends. My freezer's at capacity. So yesterday I cooked something and it was really good, but it wasn't Nicole Kogan level good. And I brought it to my friend's place and they were like the happiest people ever. And they're like, how is this not like, this is like, you're bad. And I was like, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't have the coloring that I wanted. And now I'm so particular. And they're like, cool, bring us any recipe fail that isn't a fail that you want. Yeah, I'm happy so, to help you with that too. Yeah. So everyone loves when I just show up with baked goods. Um, and then I'm not good at meal prep. I would love to be good at meal prep, but I've learned to like, let's say like today I'm going to make a turmeric roasted cauliflower and like that will last me the week essentially, you know? So I, um, I'm getting better at meal prep, but it'd be cool. Like I see all those girls who plan out their meals on Sundays for the week. I'm just too social. I'm out and about all the time. I never know when I'm actually going to eat. So it's just too hard for me personally, but Baby steps. I'm getting there. But I'm now also a lot of people know me best for my recipes that are like the no bread breads or the donuts. And I really do want to get more creative on like chickens and cauliflower and things like that and just be all encompassing. I see this photo that you sent me of like something chocolatey with maybe some nut butter in the middle. What is this? Is that the stack picture? Did I send you that yeah, one? Yeah, it's stacked. I mean, it, it's crazy good. And it's literally three ingredients. What is it? What is it called? That is my no-bake uh, chocolate almond bars. Mm. And I also do a no-bake ch uh, chocolate peanut butter cups. Oh. And it's just so easy. And you literally, like, you can refrigerate it if you want to eat it immediately. Or you put it in the freezer and it actually tastes better if it's frozen. And um, Just like peanut butter just, cups. Yeah, exactly. And my whole thing is, like, I want to make recipes that guys are going to make for their girlfriends, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, or that people who aren't good cooks are going to make for their friends and cause cooking's hard. So I want my recipes to be so relatable. So that's why they're often very few ingredients and just, they're just so honestly, it's like the best compliment you can give me is like, not, Oh my God, it was so good. Just like, Oh my God, it was like, it wasn't even hard. Like, I'm like, I know, I know. Cause that's my goal is to show you guys that, doesn't have to be this like stressful process. It's fun. How are you with portion sizes? Because if you're cooking all day and tasting and whatnot, like how much of this are you eating? I have no portion control. It's very, that's my, when you ask about like weight and concerns around that, it's, I would love to just have one bite of a recipe, but I definitely lick the bowl clean and have the full bar plus maybe one later on. So I definitely, that's probably why I don't do meal prep and not by probably why, that is why I don't do meal prep because I'll probably eat what I've made for lunch and dinner at lunch just because I think it looks so good. How do you do with saying no to food like when you don't trust the person who's prepared it? Like how do you deal with that? Um, like at a restaurant? Yeah, or like you go to a friend's house and, but it's not even a friend. It's like someone, a friend of a friend, let's say, and they've made dinner and they're offering it to you, but you don't know if it's 
gluten-free or if it's been... Thankfully, if I am questioning whether or not it's gluten-free, it means that the person who cooked it probably isn't familiar with the gluten-free world. Then they'd be bragging about how gluten-free it is. So I always just lie. I'm just like, oh, shoot, I can't eat this. And they won't know. Right. You know, you can tell. Um, And people don't get offended. They're like, oh, man, bummer. Like, it's when you pull an allergy card, it's that's why when restaurants question people, if you say, oh, I'm gluten free, and they're like, oh, is it an allergy or is it celiac or is it just a preference? I'm like, F you, why does it matter? Like, just make my thing gluten free. Yeah, I've been noticing a lot lately that there's be like donut places that will make a quote, quote unquote, gluten free donut. And then you'll ask, do you use separate fryers? And they don't. I just right. don't under, I don't, do not understand that. Um, and pizza in the same oven and things like that right exactly exactly um but so what are some quote-unquote safe places in LA that are your go-tos my go-to spots um for pokey it's sweet fin pokey oh there's they one are... right down the street from me on Larchmont yeah yep it's so good um they are all gluten-free um bakery wise I'm obsessed with faux nuts I love faux nuts too They're I so live good. for faux nuts the gluten-free vegan phonics are just insane. I love, um, let's see. I love, uh, where do I go? In Venice, there's this new restaurant called Great White that's amazing. It just opened. Oh, yes. I know, and, I know of the chef because she's yeah, friends with a friend of mine. Yep, she's amazing. And places are just gluten-friendly. I don't really go to, like, gluten-free spots, but I love Erewhon. Like, I can eat at Erewhon every meal of every day and be the happiest person ever. What do you eat at Erewhon? Um, I go to the hot bar and I get, like, the – because Erewhon, for everyone who doesn't know or does know, it is the most expensive place on the planet. It is. Except if you do the hot bar and you get, like, a protein and two sides, it's, like, $15. Huh. And it's completely gluten-free? Um, No, I think they have some – they have some things with gluten in it, but they're very – it's very clean and safe and labeled and amazing. That's great. Yeah, so I eat at Erewhon a ton. I eat at um, – where else do I go? I'm, like, such a creature of habit. I have, like, my spots. Oh, I love Flower Child. Oh, I just went there. I just went there. I just posted a video about them, like, yesterday. Yeah, they're amazing. They I'm obsessed great. with Hi. Which what? Which one? Honey, honey High. Honey High. Oh, I have yet to go. Yep. Oh, my God. It's in Echo Park. It's amazing. I love Earth Bar for all their smoothies. Um, What else do I like? I eat at – I love Chaconis for, like, a nice night out. Chaconis? Where's that? Chaconis. It's on Melrose. I've never heard of it. How do you spell it? C-E-C-C-O-N-N-I. Oh, I do know what you're talking about. I have been there before. I had no idea yeah. they were so gluten-friendly. And then they have a great gluten-free pizza. Huh. And then, of course, there's, like, Gracias Madre, um, you know, Cafe Gratitude. Yes, those are LA standards. LA options. It's true. We are. It, I found it much easier. I find it much easier in L.A. than when I was in New York. Um, but that also probably was because... I didn't have, like, a lot of friends to go out to dinner with. I wasn't going to go to, like, a nice restaurant by myself. 
all the time. Oh yeah, I'll give you all my New York recommendations next time you go. Okay, yes, that's that is for sure. I wish I had known you then, because uh, I was living yeah. there for a month and basically just went to where did I go? I went to ABCV once. Um, um, that's like one of my top top picks. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, but you know, it's not like you can just pick up something quick to go there. Uh, you have right. to like actually sit and eat. Oh, I went to um, what is that place? Is it called the Little Beat? Oh, Little Beat's amazing. Little Beat Table. Yeah, and they had well, they had a casual one that like basically. So I was working on Little a movie beat. and I had to bring my own food to set. So I just went to Little Beat every day before I had to go to set and yeah. got like a lunch and brought my own lunch uh, because oh, I, I would trust it. The same. Yeah. Amazing about like sweet green, like being everywhere I go. Oh, is sweet green like, super friendly? Oh, sweet green is so gluten friendly. Oh, that's good to know. That's great. Yeah, they're like my too. Um, so I just was curious about what is like your must haves in um a gluten free cupboard. Like, what are some like standard things that maybe people don't know aren't gluten free? Um or naturally gluten-free that, like, we should all have? Yeah, I keep almond nut butters in my cabinets at all times. Um, avocados are – so coconut butter is, like, my current obsession. So there's always coconut butter, almond butter, peanut butter in my cabinets. I love Siete tortilla chips. I think it's important to always have chips on hand when you need that carb craving. Um, I always have avocados, eggs, raspberries – that's like my go-to fruit. Um, what else do I have? Oh, I'm currently loving um, these seaweed snacks that are so good. And um, so I'll have – there's always some of those in there. There's always um, – You mean like seaweed, like the the just the paper that's like <laughs> yeah, so a little you crunchy? Can, the brand I think is called like seaweed snacks. I forget. Okay. But it's it's just like perfect if you need a little salty snack. Um, Eating Evolved is this amazing brand that has coconut butter cups. Those are super good. Um, who else is there? Oh, what about I like um, what about like um, like since you can't have soy sauce, you obviously have tamari or something. But like, are there yep, other things like that? Um, Bragg's, Bragg's liquid amino. Uh huh. For apple cider vinegar and for tamari for like um, my version of soy sauce. I'm obsessed with like, not like club soda. I'm. It's like um, there's this brand called Spindrift. Oh yeah. But when I snack, it's like I don't want to eat something sometimes. But I I feel like if I have one of those, that's like a great snack. Uh huh. Um. So I love. I'm like addicted to them right now. What else am I always relying on? Yeah, I'd say those are those are like my staples. Enjoy like chocolate chips are in every recipe I do, so there are bags and bags of those. They're nice and my... chunky too. Oh yeah, and they have the mini chips, they have the big chips. So good. Oh man, I'm so hungry now, Nicole. <laughs> I think it's I time know. for both of us to eat. <laughs> There's always a huge amount of uh nut milks in my cabinets and refrigerators because I'll make my own matcha, I'll make my own smoothies so I just have an abundant amount of that on hand do you have a favorite brand of nut milk no I'm not a discriminator with nut milk as long (laughs) as it's you know unsweetened and uh good I'm obsessed with macadamia nut milk and I can't find it in Whole Foods right now 
Mm. And I think it's because it's out of season. It's stressing me out a little bit. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Where can people find you? Obviously, no bread. Yep. So on Instagram, my handle is at no bread, one word. And then also nobread.com. Awesome. Nicole, I'm so happy we had this conversation. Thank you for... I know. I'm so happy we were able to connect. Yeah, and I want to meet you in person. We can go get a smoothie or something together. Oh, my God. It's like easy. <laughs> Any- <laughs> Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon.